First Chronicles chapter number 28. I'm going to go ahead and switch over. First Chronicles chapter number 28. A great morning this morning. Um, we had uh, four people that I know of. We had four people that got saved in the service this morning, two Amen. baptized, and four adults joined the church this morning. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, give God a hand, a hand for that. Okay? And uh, you know, all the glory goes to God no matter what we do. Uh, ultimately, we... we we understand how many doors we knock on, and if somebody else shows up, we don't even know. And, uh, and it's like, okay, well, God did it again, so praise the Lord. Uh, we'll keep knocking on doors, and he'll bring somebody else. Amen. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. And then to give you a quick update, um, with the Ghana team, they've had over 30 people get saved since they've been there. And so praise the Lord for that there. And then also, uh, today they preached at three different Sunday schools, junior church, pastor preached twice, and they also went to a prison. And um, Brother uh, Ted, uh, Ted Spears, is it Ted Spears? Okay. Um, I almost said John for a second. I never thought about it. Okay. Uh, he, he preached at the prison. There was a, a thirty around 30 uh, men that got saved there at the prison this afternoon. So praise the Lord for that also. Uh, please be in prayer for them. First um, Chronicles chapter number 28. Wes, we're going to be at. But please be in prayer for them tomorrow morning. I don't know what time, how early it is, uh, but tomorrow morning they leave to head to a remote village at a church uh, there that has been started. And it's about a nine-hour trip um, for them one way, okay? And I was telling the guys in the prayer meeting, I said, you know, it's probably only 100 miles, but it's nine hours because it's Africa and the roads are not good. And uh, there, But it is a nine-hour trip, and they'll be staying there. Uh, the rest of the day, when they get in on Monday, they'll be staying there Tuesday, then traveling back Wednesday. And so please be in prayer uh, for them as they travel, and that God will do great great work there, and there will be encouragement uh, there. And so uh, keep praying, praying for them all throughout the week. And again, excited for the report when they come back. Excited for the report when they come back and what God, God has done. And so First Chronicles chapter number 28, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. 1 Chronicles chapter number 28 and verse number 1. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the kings by course, and the captains over the thousands, and the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards of all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men of Jeru unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the, ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. Try to picture what he's saying here. Verse number three. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my uh, name, because thou... Uh, sorry, thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, in the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given uh, given me many sons, he had chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house, 
in my courts, and I have, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he be, a, uh, if he be con, uh, constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him, ready, with a perfect heart, and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts, if thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless this evening. God, I pray that you take this truth from your word, and I pray that you help us to apply it to our lives. God, no doubt, at least in my mind, I see great things ahead of Anchor Baptist Church. I look forward, and we look forward, dear God, to seeing your great and mighty hand work in our city. God, we, we are just humble servants, willing to be used of you. We have nothing to offer you, but God, we're willing to be used of you. And God, I pray that you bless the serve this evening, be a pastor, and the men as they're away. Give them rest tonight, dear God. Give them uh, rest and, and enter new energy, fresh energy tomorrow as they go out, dear God, and they travel. Preach the gospel. I preach you be with them. Keep them safe. And God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in a church house tonight and hear from your word. And God, in all safety, we can come to your house and open up your word and not have the fear of what someone may do. And God, we thank you for that. Help us not to take it lightly. God, I pray that you bless this evening, bless the scripture, use your word. God, I pray that you help me to set myself aside and allow you to speak through me. And God, I pray that you bless tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to, go to first. Go to first Chronicles chapter 28 and verse number 9. First Chronicles chapter 28. In this story, we hear David is telling and explaining to God's people, Israel, what is taking place. In this story, understand that David, for many years, listen to this, many years, had prepared to build the house. Now, what greater joy and what greater honor than for a king to say, I want to take part in building the footstool of our God the house of our, of, our, of our God, I want to take part in that. And David, no doubt, with excitement, said it's time to prepare to bring, if you will, a picture of let's bring God back to where he needs to be in Israel, the center of everything. Let's bring God back to where he should be in his rightful place and allow him to do a work in our heart. And no doubt, with, with, with honor, he said it's time to prepare to build the temple, the house of God. We understand the story how, how David went out and found those that are skilled in those areas. And he found those men, and the Bible talks about how it wasn't just anybody he chose. There were specific men that he chose. They had to be God-honoring in their living. They had to be uh, of, this, of a certain standard in their living and, and their fear of God. He didn't just pick anybody. He picked chosen men. 
in that area and said, I need you to help build the house of God. Then he went to the people and said, it's time to bring in all the material that we need for the house of God. So people started working hard and bringing in every item and every down to every detail of things. Now understand this, uh, those of you that have a new build in a house or, or maybe you've been in a house for a while and we, we look at things and say, you know, we want everything to be perfect. Well, in, in this building, it had to be perfect, flawless. There was an exact measurement that everything had to have, an exact covering that everything had to have, an exact way. You couldn't just change colors wherever you want. Sorry, woman. You couldn't just say, you know, well, I don't like that color in that kitchen, so I think we need to. No, this is the house of God, different story. God had a specific way that he wanted it done. And David said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Because we're going to build a place for God to dwell in. And we're going to build a place that we can come to and we can look to for help from our God that we serve and that we love. So David started preparing. And I, I, the Bible probably tells, I do not know off the top of my head, but maybe years past David preparing food. I know it wasn't a, a quick thing. He didn't just go down to Lowe's and buy one thing. They just go somewhere and say, I need to order this. No, they had to get it together. Everybody had to pitch in and get together. By the way, what an what a example of the people of God getting together and coming together to help build the house of God and the things of God and the work of God. What a great picture of that. And that's how, by the way, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. When it's time to do a great work for God, the people of God ought to be coming together and saying, let's see what God will do. Let's do something more for God, for our Savior who died for us, that's given us everything we have. Let's do something great for Him. Let's give to Him. But, but you know, today's society, uh, we don't have the time, uh, let alone, you know, the ability. We just, we're just not willing to get the ability. We're not willing to say, okay, God, I guess just teach me. Let's just let's do this. But then in those days, they, 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 there's a lot of work that was put in. We know David got everything prepared and got everything ready. And things kind of changed. His heart, maybe in a sense, was kind of twisted a little bit. When God said, David, you can't build my house because you shed blood with your hands. Look, look here in verse number, uh, probably lost it. Let me see here. And uh, in verse number... Verse number three, verse number three, and God said unto me, thou shalt not build in a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. God said, I, I can't have that. God, by, the way, by the way, understand this, understand what this is a picture of. God has a man that God uses a specific way for a specific time. Look throughout history in different churches, Right? God, the church, a church was started with a specific man, a specific attitude, a specific way of preaching, a specific way of dealing with things. It was, it was just, that was him. And then later on, somebody else came along that God used in a different way. They weren't the same person. They were different. Uh, listen, no one can be, can be a Dr. Jack Hiles. <laughs> there's no one that's going to be a Dr. Jack Hiles. And there's no one that's going to be a Dr. Tom alone. There's going to be someone different. But God had a purpose for them when they were there. And God used who they were, their upbringing, their background, everything they were to reach people for that time. And the same thing here. God had David for a purpose. David was a man of war. 
David was a man that delivered Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. David was a man that had blood on his hands and fought constantly to defend God and God's people. David was using that type. You don't see a lot of that with Solomon. We hear about Solomon, we hear he's a very wise man. But we don't see story after story after story after story where he's in battle, shedding blood, fighting against the Philistines and against the enemy of God. You don't see that. A different, different man. So understand, see the examples here, how God, by the way, by the way, listen, and even in a church, a layman of a church, God will use specific laymen. Okay, we've seen it here. Let's, let's be honest. We've seen it here where, where people will come into a church, join a church, and man, they come in and all of a sudden it's like, hey, by the way, I do this for a living and I know how to do this. And all of a sudden it's like, man, we need that. And they help and they help build. And then it seems like once those things are done, slowly they start moving on. God had them there for a season for a specific purpose to help a specific need. And understand this with David, but David, man, he spent a lot of time. Man, his desire is, God, I want to build your house. God spent a long time. The Ark of the Covenant was taken. We got it back. Now it's time to build the house where it's going to sit. We're going to come and worship you, and the Levites are going to come back and start doing their job again. And we're going to get back to what Moses did, and we're going to get back to what you set up back there in the Old Testament, further on, earlier than that. But God said, no, David, David, I can't have you do that. He said, I'm gonna have, but I'm going to have your son build the house. By the way, understand this in a church and a ministry. There's a lot of times, listen to this, there's a lot of times that you are there specifically to build up a ministry, but somebody else is going to run with it. I want you to understand that. You are there to help start and put in the, 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 the first effort, if you will, D-Day, hitting the ground running. But then others come in behind you to help get the victory. And the same thing in the ministry. By the way, these examples are all across the Bible on this. Well, you can look at it and see examples of how God used different people. And in a church, it's the same way. You'll have someone that is an absolute go-getter when it comes to the soul winner, right? They're out soul winning. They get people. They get people to church. But when it comes to organization, they're not the organizer. But somebody else is the organizer. And so God uses them to build up something. Then God uses that man to take it from there and, and have success with it. And understand that even in the church. And understand this is what God was doing with David. God said, David, you're a man of war. You shed blood. I had you for that purpose, and you and you did great by preparing for the house. But I have Solomon that's going to take it. Verse number two, I want you to understand three points here about this. Understand as we get into the message, understand that David got busy. Look, think about this statement. David got busy preparing to build something that he would not build. By the way, and he knew it. He knew God was not going to let him build it, but he said, I'm still going to prepare for it. I'm still going to get it together. By the way, that's called selflessness. Amen. Putting self and your pride aside, say, okay, God, that's what you want, but I'm still going to work until, until you're done with me. Right. I'm still going to push until you're finished with me. When you're, right. when you're finished, you're finished, God, but until then, I'm going to give it everything I got. He looked, understand this, he looked to the next generation, those that were coming up behind him. He looked to the future generations of Israel and said, ah, even though I'm not going to get to build it, they need the house of God. So I'm going to build it for them. And parents, listen to me. You're building your Christian life, not for you, but for your children that are coming up behind you. They're watching you. Listen, listen to this. They see it when you disagree with the preacher. 
They see it when you disagree openly with the church. They say, but I didn't mean anything by it. They see when you disagree with the church. And they'll go on their life thinking, oh, I, I can do the same thing because that's what my family does. And then one day, by the way, the second generation, they turn right around and they blame Christianity and blame God for the way they ended up in their life. What do you think about that? Is it sometimes because they heard mom and dad complain at home? Well, you know, the preacher just doesn't really know what he's doing. Why help if, you know, we're not, okay, you ready, you ready, you ready? Just as much as you cannot control things, I can't control things sometimes. Well, you know, we're just not going to give to the church anymore because, you know, we give to the church and it doesn't get used for what I think it's going to get used for. Well, maybe something else came up just like in your finances. Hello? David understood, I don't care what it gets used for. If it's getting used for the house of God, then I'm going to get everything together for that next generation that's going to have this. By the way, and, and adults, listen to me, we are, we are not building Anchor Baptist Church for us. We're building Anchor Baptist Church not only for the cause of Christ, but for the future. All these little ones coming up, I was watching these. Where are they at? The little three girls that came up here to get right here. And I was watching them come up, and I go, oh, boy, when they're teenagers. <laughs> Woo. That's going to be fun. Be, you know, glued to the hip, walking around everywhere, causing problems, drama. Oh boy, here it comes. And I, I just know it, it's going to happen. It always does. L- listen, we're building, building, building Anchor Baptist Church, not for us, but for them. When you start serving God for others instead of self, it changes your mindset about things. Listen to what I just said. When you start serving God for others and not self, it changes your entire mindset of why I do what I do. Verse number three, the second thing that we see is that he did not allow, listen to this, he did not allow, David did not allow his failures to stop him from doing more for Christ. So first we see that David got busy preparing to build something that he was not going to build. And then he didn't allow his failures to stop him from doing more for Christ. First, let me ask you something. Why do you keep allowing your failures to stop you from serving God more? I want you to have a word of understanding. Well, you know, I, I just can't do that. Who said that? It, it amazes me who God chooses to use throughout history. I'm serious. Me about D.L. Moody working in a shoe shop. about Billy Sunday, about Dr. Jack Hiles, Dr. D.L. Moody, all these great men that you go, well, who are they? Exactly, who are they? And look what God did. It amazes me who God chooses to use, even people that we never would even think. So if God has done that throughout history, why do you think God can't use you? Now I'm headed somewhere. Why do you, I want you to ask this question, why do I think God can't use me? Not because you're that good, but why do you think that God can't use you? What failures in your past that you look at and you say, you know, I can't? Um, how would you treat, let me ask the question, how would you treat someone that walked in here that just got saved? 
but walked in here with baggage that disgusted me. Would you give him a chance to grow? Let me ask you that. Would you give him a chance to grow? See, people come in and we judge them right away on who they are. And we have no idea what God's doing on the inside. Now, I'm not saying that we just let anybody and everybody come in here and do what they want. That's not, that's not right either. There's balance. At the same time, how are we, what, who are we to look at somebody else's failure and say, ah, oh, God can't use you. Well, God can't use you. If you only knew the stories of the failures of great men of God and the mistakes they've made, the times they messed up, but they, they got on their knees and repented of what they had done and asked God to help them, and then once again, God helped. Think of David, murder, committed adultery. God restored unto him the joy of his salvation. God's, his fellowship with God was brought back together. It didn't happen right away, but over time, in his diligence and trying to understand God and, and begging for God and, and, and letting God know, God, I'm sorry, I, I, I messed up, but God, use me once again. Please use me. Your enemies and your name, I don't want your name to be ruined, and I don't want uh, people to, to blaspheme your name, but God, you, you're greater than that, and God, do a work through me. And finally, God said, okay, I'll, I'll use you. By the way, you say, well, you know, God didn't really use David that much after that. I mean, Jesus Christ was born within his lineage. Oh, but we won't let them into the church. <laughs> but Jesus Christ said, I'm going to be born in the lineage of David, someone that committed murder, committed adultery. He said, I'm going to be born of that line. By the way, Rahab the harlot from that line. I'm going to be born of, I'm going to be born of that. that. That's where that's where I'm coming from. David, he did not allow his failures stopping him from doing more for Christ. What failures are stopping you from doing more for Christ? Well, I'm from a broken home. Okay. If I asked a raise of hands of people from a broken home, I dare say half the hands are going to go up. Well, I have a past, uh, brother Pledger, I, 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 uh, I have a past. And uh, my, in my past, I you know, used to do drugs. Probably half. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> uh, I used to do drugs, and I used to, I, I, you know, I used to run around at, at night, and and I used to be in gangs. And oh, brother Pleasure, you know, I have tattoos. I don't know if I get well. You know, half the people. No, uh, it, it's, listen. You see, but I have failures. I have failures. How can God use me? Oh, God used Moses, and he murdered a man. No, I'm not giving everybody a pass. Say, hey, you know, I do what I want. God will still use me. Listen, listen, David did not allow his failures. Listen to what I'm saying. David did not allow his failures to determine his work for God. Verse number four, look at number three here. So David got busy preparing to build something he was not going to build. He did not allow his failures to stop him from doing more for Christ. Listen to number, number three, and I'm done. I'm just kidding. No, I got a bunch more. Number three. He did not, this is just introduction, he did not look at what he could not do, but he looked at what, what he had and could do for Christ. Well, I can't build the house, I just give up. I don't want anything to do with it, it's not going to be mine, I'm not going to get to enjoy it. 
I'm not going to be the one to get the glory for building the house, so why should I want to? No, David said, listen, I know what I can't do, but I'm going to do what I can do for Christ. Listen to me, and everybody in here might not be able to be a pastor of a church. And everybody in here might not be able to be a deacon or a pastor. But if, listen, everybody in here can do something for Christ. Everybody in here can be a part of the body of Christ and do their part in the body of Christ. My pinky can't do everything that my thumb can. And my thumb can't do everything that my ears can. But every, each one of them have their purpose. I don't know what this one's for, but each one of them has its purpose. This one's too big. But each one of them has its purpose. L- listen, what are thumbs for? Thumb wars? That's about it? Okay. Uh, l- l- listen, everybody has a purpose. So, Brother Pledger, I don't really know what I can offer. You can offer something. Well, I don't really know how good I could do it, but you can learn something. Listen, I remember as an eight-year-old boy, I remember as an eight-year-old boy, this is probably not the way you're supposed to do things, but pleasures do a lot of things you're not supposed to do, so we'll just leave it at that, okay? Remember as an eight-year-old boy, my father said, hey, hey, Ryan, I want you to preach. At eight years old, I want you to preach in bus meeting to about 30 other adults. I said, Dad, I'm scared to death. I want to be good. No, no, you're, you're good. You can, you can preach. I remember at eight years old getting up, and basically, I don't think I preached. I think I cried the whole time. And I remember sitting there, I mean, sweating, sitting there nervous, talking in front of all these adults. I, I honestly don't even know what I said. I think I did. I think it was Mark 16, 15. I probably read the verse, and then just, and the whole time, I just basically cried. Listen, at that point in life, I thought, there's no way I'm getting up in front of people. There's no way. I don't like getting up in front of people. I don't, I don't want to have to uh, get up in front of people and speak. But little did I know, after time, then all of a sudden I'm 13, 14 years old, and, and my grandfather said, hey, I want you to preach at junior church every week. It was me and four of the teenagers that ran junior church every week by ourselves. We had, oh, sorry, we had one adult that sat in there to make sure everything went the way it's supposed to. But other than that, there was four teenagers, teenage guys, and we ran junior church at the age of 14 years old every week. And at that point, it was like, God, are you sure that this is what you want me to do? But when grandfather says do it, then you don't ask questions, you just do it. And you figure it out. I remember one Sunday in there, again, four of us, one adult. Four of us, one adult. And we weren't smart enough. Again, pleasures do a lot of things you're not supposed to. And we weren't smart enough to say, you know, you need a lady worker in there. We didn't have any lady workers. There's four teenage guys and one adult man sitting in the back corner just I remember one Sunday, I remember one Sunday uh, uh, those of you that know maybe the Wells family, we had Jonathan Wells and Josh Wells there, and they did a lot of children's programs. That's where you learn a lot of things from. I remember one Sunday in there, in, in, in one room, in one room, we had 133 kids, four teenagers running things. Man, we probably did everything wrong. I know we did everything wrong. I can't even tell you half the stuff that we did, just having fun. But listen, but we got up there and screamed and yelled about everything. And probably a lot of heresy. <laughs> Just to be honest, probably a lot of heresy. Probably a lot of things that don't even line up with the Bible. But what were we doing? We were learning. We were failing. Listen to what I'm saying. We were failing. 
believe it's Dr. Heil that said this, success is on the same road as failure. Failure is just a little further down the road. I want you to think about that statement. Success is on the same road as failure. Fail, uh, success is just a little further down the road. You are going to fail. So you might as well get it out of the way while you're young. Make all your dumb mistakes when you're a teenager, then everybody just looks past that. They say, well, yeah, they were teenagers, and they just, you know, ignore it. Listen, but don't allow your failures. And don't allow what you can't do to say, well, if I can't do this, then I guess I can't do anything. No, no, do what you can do. David said, I can't build the house, but I'm going to prepare for the work. I'm going to get everybody lined up and organized. I'm going to get all the people and where they need to be and all the material in and, and exactly what we need and the, the schematics of it, the blueprints. I'm going to get everything that we need to have so the next generation can build the house. But now we see the charge and the wisdom and the challenge that David gives to Solomon. I want you to look down in verse number 9. Thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a, listen to this, ready? A perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. David gives his challenge to Solomon. He says, Solomon, you need to listen to me. You better serve God with a perfect heart. And Solomon, understand me with a willing mind. What he's saying is, Solomon, your heart better be, you better keep your heart right. And you better just do whatever God asks you to do. Don't even question it. This is what I said, Christian. You better keep your heart right. And you better just be willing to do whatever God asks you to do not question it. We question a lot. We qu we question a lot. Hey, why don't you help out over here? I don't know if I can. You know, I could probably use you in this area. Well, I don't know if that's a good idea. I, well, uh, 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 you know, preacher, I, I really don't think that. Uh, I don't know. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? I would pick on him a little bit. Jakai down here, he's, uh, he, he's now a, a co-captain on one of our bus routes. By the way, I, as far as I know, first teenager in Anchor Baptist Church history has been a co-captain of a bus route. And he's failing miserably. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's doing a great job. He really is doing a great job and a great honor. But he, he, when I asked him about this, and he thought he was in trouble. I, I got to tell the whole story. So, so I told him that before. I said, Mr. Jakai, I got to talk to you tomorrow. You need to come to my office. <laughs> and when I realized what I said, and when he responded and said, he responded about two or three hours later, so in the evening, and he said, Brother Pledger, um, am I in trouble? I'm just kind of nervous about, uh, you know, why you want to meet with me. And at that point, I realized what my youth pastor did to me as a kid. And I thought, oh, my opportunity, here we go. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let him stir. I just I said, I said, you're fine, just meet me in my office after church. So we, so we get done, he gets to church, and he says, Brother Pledger, you still want to meet with me? I said, I said yeah, just right after church, go to my office. And, uh, and I could see it in his face that he's worried. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my enjoyment of being a youth pastor, okay? Uh, so, so, 
So, so, so we go to the office afterwards and sat down. I said, oh, this is going to be great. He said, I sat down. I said, all right, let's pray, and then we'll have a meeting. And I started praying, God, I, I thank you for Chikai, and God is willing to serve him. And God, I pray that you help us in this meeting to figure out what's going on and figure out what we can do. God, I pray that you'd help and open his heart and his mind and be willing to accept. And, and you know, and I, I literally got done and I thought to myself, that was the fakest prayer I've ever had in my life. That was terrible. And uh, so I got done and I looked at him, he looked at me and I said, um, I need to ask if you're willing to do something for me. I said, I said I, I'd, like to, I'd like you to become one of our co-captains. And he literally went, He's a road pleasure. I thought I was in trouble. I said, I know you did. Yeah, I know you thought you were in trouble. I played right into it. And uh, listen, but one thing he said to me, and it stuck in my head. He said, he, he looked at me. He looked at me. And he said, Road pleasure, are you sure? <laughs> are you positive? He said, if you want me to, I will. But are you sure? Amen. I said, yeah, sure. Listen to me. And this is a young teenager. And this could change in his life. Ready, ready? I'm sorry, this is going to hurt a little bit. He could become one day like all the other adults. No, preacher, I don't think so. Nah, I'm not willing. I just don't think it's a good idea. You know, it doesn't really fit with my schedule. It doesn't really fit with my, you know, what I think my abilities are. What if God says, I have a better, more abilities I want to give you? But I need, I need you to step up to that next level. You understand strength comes from struggling? Learning and success comes from failure. So if I want to succeed, if I want to, sorry, I felt like that a little bit. If I want to succeed in life, then I've got to fail. You ready? And the more I fail and keep going, the more eventually I'll start succeeding. The more I fail... See, we look at people around us and, and people, and if I probably will, I can be a little worldly in this sense, industry. Sports stars, fanatics, whoever. And we say, well, they never make a mistake. You know how many mistakes they made that you don't even see? You know how many times they fell on their face trying to do something? And that's the same thing in the Christian life. If we could sit down and talk to the great men of our past and say, we see the success that you had, but can you tell me about how many times you failed and they were to literally lay it out for you? You'd go, oh. Ready? And God still used you and did that. But you ready? Here it is. But they had a perfect heart. By the way, the word perfect here does not mean sinless. My grandfather said to me, he said, you should never, you'll never have a perfect Christian life. You should always have a perfecting Christian life. You should all, perfecting means I'm striving to be perfect as much as I can. I'll never reach it, but I'm going to strive for it every day. I'm going to work hard at it, and I'm going to try everything I do to reach it. I'm not going to reach it, but I'm going to give it everything I have to reach it. A perfect heart and a willing mind. Why don't you turn to First Kings chapter number eight? First Kings chapter number eight. 
verse number 61. Solomon offers a sacrifice here. And so understand that David challenges him and says, serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. Look at verse number 61 of 1 Kings chapter 8. Bible says this, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes, to keep his commandments as at this day. He's saying, Solomon, keep doing what you're doing now. As at this day, you keep it up. As at this day, you keep doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Flip over to 1 Kings chapter 11. Verse number 4. It came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. God desires for Christians to decide and determine that I'm going to serve God as much as I can, as much as that is in me. I'm going to serve God with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. Turn over to the Psalms, chapter 101. Psalms, chapter 101, verse number 2. Psalms chapter 101, start verse number 1, I will sing of mercies and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. David said, Son, serve God and do it with a perfect heart. Perfect means to be pure and finished, not defective, perfect. A, a complete heart stayed on God. The word stayed means fixed and settled and sober. A complete heart, a perfect heart stayed on God. Someone that is desired and settled in themselves to say, I'm going to serve God no matter what. And I'm going to do it, I'm going to get as close to God as I can. Because I don't want anything straying from God. I don't want to do anything that hinders my relationship with God. I don't want to do anything that helps me stray away from what God wants me to do. I want to serve with a perfect heart. How to have a perfect heart. Psalms 101, verse number 3. The Bible says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. Number one, set no wicked thing before your eyes. How do I serve God with a perfect heart? Number one, set no wicked thing before your eyes. The psalmist said, David said, here, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside, they shall not cleave to me. He determined in his heart that I'm going to stay away from things that cause me to desire after things that don't please God. I'm going to stay away from things that cause my flesh and my my, my pride and my the world of flesh, the devil inside of me, to stray away from the things of God serve him with a perfect heart. I'm going to set no wicked thing before mine eye. Verse number four. The Bible says this, don't have a forward heart. Look at verse number four. A forward heart shall depart from me and I will know a I will not know a wicked person. The word forward means perverse. Turn, uh, turning from 
with, uh, 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 sorry, aversion or reluctance, ungovernable, for ungovernable. David said, I'm not only going to set no wicked thing before mine eyes, but I'm, I'm going to serve him. I'm not going to serve, uh, I, I'm not going to have a forward heart in serving him. I'm not going to, listen, the Bible tells that our heart is desperately wicked. Now, I know our world society says, trust your heart. Just trust your heart, follow your heart. Do whatever your heart tells you to do. But they have no idea what the Bible says about the heart that is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says in the New Testament, if our heart condemn us, the word condemn, think about that word. If our heart condemn us, then it says God is greater than our heart. Listen to me. We've got to make sure that we don't allow our heart to shift from what God wants over to where a, a point where we're just ungovernable in what God wants. But we, don't, we will not allow God to control us for nothing. Very forward in our thinking. Very forward in our actions. Very forward in our attitude. How do I serve God with a per perfect heart? Send a wicked thing before your eyes. Number two, don't have a forward heart. Number three, number, verse number five says this, who's, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and proud heart shall not, uh, will, will not I suffer. Number three, get away from gossipers and don't be one. Gossip is very easy to get caught up in. It usually starts out as just a friendly conversation. And somewhere along the conversation, it goes from just conversation to laughing about something to now talking about something that somebody else did that's not true. And turns into gossip. We're, if you know, you're at a church far, far away and uh, we're, we're there and someone walks with the pastor and starts wanting to blab all this stuff about some other church and he just, nah, well, have a nice day, just have a nice day. And he's just kind of, you know, have a nice day, just have a nice day. He does not get in the picture. Not getting it whatsoever. I'm just sitting back going, Brother Corey, come on, get in the, get in the way. Brother Corey, get in the way. And uh, just, you know, watching what happens. And uh, there, but, but listen, a gossiper, a gossiper, one that carries tales, Tellbearer. You know what the Bible says about sowing discord among the brethren? Hello? You know, it's one of the few things the Bible says is an, is an abomination. I think it's one of seven things in that portion of Scripture that God says is an abomination. And by the way, God says he hates it. There's very few things that God says in the Bible that I, it's an abomination and I hate. And some of those discord among the brethren is one. By the way, by the way, that's in the house and that's outside the house. Hello. That's in the house and outside the house. And when we partake in that, listen to me, you're allowing your heart to get dirtied up. And if you're not careful, you'll soon be outside the house of God and you won't be serving God at all let alone with a perfect heart and a willing mind. Number four, the Bible says, get away from a prideful person 
don't be, don't get a high look and a proud heart about yourself. Listen, 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 listen. Every church has one. You say, Brother Pledger, you say, Avery has one. They're in the room tonight. That's right, I'll sign the door. Uh, oh, sorry, I say the ushers. Uh, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> amen, brother. Uh, listen, they're, they're going to know what we're talking about. They're out there talking about something else. Uh, OSU starts football this next week. That's what they're out there talking about. And, uh, sorry to knock it spiritual for a second. Uh, I, this morning I was like, next week starts football. Sunday afternoon football, yes. And it's like, oh, man, I should have thought about that. Uh, listen, a proud look. A proud look. Well, you know, I could have done better. But preacher didn't ask me to. And so keep it to yourself. You couldn't have done better because he didn't ask you to. Listen, a proud look. Well, if I was, be very careful about that. Who's that reminder? Oh, Lucifer. That's right. Lucifer. I'm not saying you're Lucifer, but Lucifer. I look in a proud heart. Well, if I was in that position, I could do better. You know what? In my case, you're probably right. <laughs> you could probably do a lot better in my, in my position. You listen to me. I am not foolish enough to say there's not many people in this room that can organize a whole lot better than I can saying I need your help. Uh, no, they can organize a whole lot better than I can. But God just happened to say, I need you this morning. And if God today said, I want you to, I would say, here you go. There you go. When uh, uh, a few years back in a conversation, I, I made the statement, I said, begging, but I said, Pastor, I said, if you need to take one of these areas that I'm overseeing away and give it to somebody else, just do it. It doesn't matter which one, just do it. Because I, I don't, I'm not, not like, you know, don't take that one, preacher. You can take anything else, but not that one. No, Pastor, whatever you want to do, you make the decision. Listen, listen, listen. That ought to be your attitude about anything. But I put so much effort into it. I know, but you have another opportunity over there to do more, and somebody else is going to keep doing what you're doing. Verse number eight. The Bible says, I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Number five, clean up your life in the crowd, listen to this, that you're around. Clean up your life. You want to serve God with a perfect heart? What's filtering into you? It's always a who. It's never a they. Who have bewitched you? Who has influenced you? Who has changed you? Well, that's just how I've always been. You're not your own. You're not self-made. Who hath bewitched you? So David first said, Solomon, you need to serve God with a perfect heart. A perfect heart. But the second thing he said is, Solomon, serve God with a willing mind. The word willing has two different meanings. 
willing can either mean determining or resolving or desiring. It can also mean ready and ready to receive of choice. Willing. I'm ready. I'm willing. Come on. Or I'm ready, meaning I'm determining. Or willing, I'm determining. I'm willing to do it. I'm determining to do it. One is I'm ready, and one is I'm determined. Listen to the statement. We ought to have a willing, ready, determining mind to do the work of God. Ready? Listen. And a willing, ready mind to do what God wants. We should have a determined, when the word willing, we should be determining to do the work of God, but ready to do what God wants. Willing to say, I'm ready to work. The work of God, let's do it. But ready to say, whatever you want for me, I'm ready to do it. Whatever the work is. You want me to sons class? I'll get sons class. You want me to bust out? I'll get the bust out. You want me to come in here and sweep and, and clean the church? I'll come in here and clean the church. You want me to go out and go soul and just be faithful to sowing? I'll do that. You want me to make phone calls? I'll do that. You want me to do some office work? I'll do that. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. I'm willing mine. I'm determined to work for you, and I'm ready to work for you, whatever you want. That ought to be our attitude. Christian, do you have a willing mind? We should be willing, determined, and ready to do the work of works of God. Number two, we should be willing, determined, and ready to suffer for Christ. Determined. No matter what comes my way, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna suffer. If, if suffering comes, I'm gonna suffer. And ready. That time comes to say, okay, God, what are you doing? Willing, determined, and ready to stay, not quit. I have this poem I want to read you called Don't You Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the roads you're uh, trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high, and you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you, you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the space seems slow. The pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are and may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your, when, when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must It's at the times when you're like, oh, I'm ready to give up. God says, no, 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 just a willing mind. Just a willing mind. Determined and ready. A willing mind. Have a willing mind. I want you to turn to, we read 1 Kings chapter 11, turn to the Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse number 2. 
Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoiada of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Listen to this, you ready? But not with a perfect heart. So you're telling me it's possible to do right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart? You're telling me it's possible to be where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to be doing, but not with a perfect heart? You're telling me it's possible to be on the bus route on Sunday, but not with a perfect heart? Ready? You're telling me it's possible to preach a sermon, but not with a perfect heart? Tell me it's possible to sing a special, but not with a perfect heart. Yeah. But we've seen it throughout history many times. Don't just serve God. Serve him, but serve him with a perfect heart. Be strong and do it. So how about you, Christian? How do you serve God? Do you serve him with a perfect heart? Do you serve him with a willing mind? Great Sunday. Great Sunday last couple months even have been absolutely great. Watching what God is doing in our church. We're very blessed. So from here on out, ready? Will you serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind? Brother Pleasure, I have failures. I didn't ask about your failures. I asked from this day forward, will you serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind? Will you do your best to honor God with everything Will you stand for Christ in a lost and dying world? Will you proclaim Christ when it's not popular to proclaim him? Will you serve with a perfect heart and a willing mind? God has chosen us to be a part of the future of Anchor Baptist Church. What will you do with that opportunity? rest of 2023 and into 2024, do we serve God with a perfect heart and willing? Do we get more involved in the work of God or less involved? Will you get more involved or less involved? At the end of 2023, will you be doing more for Christ or less for Christ? Will you stand for him in the city of Columbus? Or will we just go about our day church when we have time, doing what we can when we can, but without any effort. Perfect heart, complete and given to God, and a willing mind, determined and ready for any work. How about you, Christian? How about you? Uh, adults, moms and dads, listen, we are, we are preparing for the future of our children in So their future starts right now with you. Not with them, with you. We've got to determine, I'm going to serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind so they have the chance to. So they have the chance to. Because the odds are one day, listen, those little kids that we love so much, 
pulling on us to change. Pulling on us to say, well, why do we have to? Well, what's wrong with that? And by the way, a lot of parents are falling for that. A lot, listen, a lot of parents are falling for that. So what we do, we serve God with a perfect heart. Father, we pray. Heavenly Father, you're God of great joy.